I'm not Pastor Phil. I'm retired teacher Phil, just FYI. Um, it's my privilege this morning to, to give you the word. Uh, as Phil said, Jackie is on vacation, and and so we're we're fortunate. We have enough staff here to to uh, to call upon the resources within to cover three churches this morning. So that's pretty cool. We're doing our jobs. Uh, this morning, I would like to sort of do a part two. I spoke on June 30th uh, when everybody was gone to family camp on the <clears throat> first part, which was the Westminster Catechism. I've mentioned that before. Uh, it was the primary catechism that was given back in the 1600s to train young people up in the word. And it had 107 questions. And the first question in the Westminster Catechism is, what's the chief end of man? What's the chief end of man? And the answer in that catechism was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so I talked about the first part uh, the last time I spoke on June 30th. And I'm going to hit the second part this morning, which is enjoying God. And how do we enjoy God? I haven't personally thought about that a lot in my, in my uh, daily activities. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a, a quote, I'm a half-empty kind of guy. Um, everything is half-empty. I'm always looking for the things that are wrong. I was born with a red pen in my hand. I mark things wrong as a teacher. I didn't look for the things that were right. So that's the way I am, unfortunately. Maybe the world, maybe that way, maybe God, I don't know. But anyways, I want to talk about how we can enjoy God the way he created us to enjoy him. And the scripture I want to start with, I also want to end with, and you can, you can uh, grade me on how well I did. And, and the text is Romans fifteen thirteen, And it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's my objective this morning, and that's my prayer for you and me as well. Uh, I want us to walk out of here this morning encouraged with more hope and joy uh, for our future than when we came in. And I know, uh, personally, a lot of you uh, are wrestling with things. Everybody wrestles with stuff. Anybody not wrestling with something? Then you can unlock the doors, Phil, and you can leave right now because you don't need to hear this. But if you're wrestling with something... I don't care what it is. Uh, it's your thing, and we deal with it, and we deal with it. Some people differently. They have the ability to just deny it and move on. Others internalize it. Um, but we all have stuff that we're dealing with, and I want to deal with that stuff this morning and get our mind focused on what God wants, and that's to enjoy him. So I went to the doctor, which I do a lot more now that I'll soon be 69 years old. That's sort of my wife and I go on double dates to the doctor uh, <clears throat> as we get older. And so I went to the doctor, and he says, you know the question. On a scale of 1 to 10, fill in the blank. 
What's your pain level? So, you know, you got to work. Um, my sister, my older sister says, you got to tell him nine. Because if you don't say nine, he won't listen to you. And you don't get any. So I always amp it up a couple just so he'll listen to me. But uh, on, a, on a scale of one to ten, how much joy do you have right now? Not maybe outside this church service prior to coming in here. On a scale of one to ten, where would you rate yourself, honestly? Are there any, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're eight or above, you can leave too, because you, you don't need to hear this. But if you're below an eight, then maybe this, this message uh, will encourage you. By the way, is Melissa here? Uh, I, ta- I asked this question to Marvin, uh, her dad, and up in Alaska a couple of weeks ago, and we were visiting, and he says, if I had any more joy, I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. And boy, I said, that, I don't know how that feels. I, I, I don't walk in those shoes. But there are some people that have it, have found it, uh, and that's great. Share it with all the rest of us and those around you, which is our command anyways. But uh, I want to talk about this aspect of enjoying God. In John 15, 11, there's three scriptures in, in uh, the Gospel of John that emphasize it. It says, I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. That your joy, this is Jesus talking, may be made full and complete and overflowing. And then in John 16, 24, until now, you have not asked the Father for anything in my name, but now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy may be full and complete. And then in John seventeen thirteen, he repeats that same thing. But now I am coming to you and I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may experience my joy made full and complete and perfect within them, filling their hearts with my delight. Jesus desires that we be happy, that we have his joy. In fact, God is the happiest person in the universe. I haven't thought about that too much, but think about that. God is the happiest, whatever Yahweh is, spirit in the universe. Jesus was the happiest person that walked the face of the earth. And we're going we're gonna to look into that and consider that this morning. Uh, now, right up front, when I interchange the word happy with joy, some of you are going to push back a little bit. But let me reassure you that those words are oftentimes the same in the Greek. Happy and joy come from a, a, the same basic Greek word. There's other, other takeoffs from it, but happy and joy can be interchanged. Now, some of you say, well, you know, happy is different than joy. Yeah, it can be, and we'll get into that. But basically, being happy is being joyful. And it, it is an emotion. God gave us emotions. He created in us feelings to express. As we look into some of these different scriptures, you're going to see 
that he wants our light to shine with this joy bubbling out that we can share with others, that other people see it. In 1 Timothy 1.11, for example, uh, he, Paul is writing here to Timothy and, and warning them against false teachers, but I want to bring up that word blessed also. It says, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. And that word blessed in the, in the Greek is happy. God is a happy God. Consider that. He is a happy God, and he wants his children to have that happiness. So, what is joy? Got to have some definitions. Joy in the Greek, in those three verses in John, means cheerfulness, calm delight, gladness, and also it means calmly happy, well off. Webster defines joy as the passion or emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good. An expectation of good. In Scripture, it's commanded over 60 times alone, directly. It's commanded for us to be joyful, to be happy. So, question, if we're not happy, is that a sin? Um, if you want to meet for coffee tomorrow morning, text me and we can discuss that. I'm not going to venture out and give an opinion, but uh, it's a, that would be a good discussion. If we are not happy or joyful, is that something we need to repent of? Something, that's a good question. Being happy, I read an article, uh, I get John Piper's Desiring God and Solid Joys, uh, and I read him a lot every week, every day, in fact, almost, one of my devotionals. And he had a really interesting article here a while ago that my, my wife uh, sent to me. And it said, uh, what is the most repeated command in Scripture? What do you think? What's the most repeated? Okay. Good. Well, the answer that he said, and he backed it up, was be happy. And all those things that you mentioned uh, all funnel in towards our joy, our happiness. God wants his children to enjoy him and enjoy the joy that he left for us. Uh, someone mentioned fear not. That's mentioned 365 times in the Bible. How coincidental. One, one a day scriptures. 365 times he tells us fear not. He tells us to rejoice 74 times. He tells us to praise the Lord 250 times. He tells us to give thanks 114 times. And those are just direct commands, but that all of those direct us towards this state of enjoying him and resting and trusting and, and being happy. We just finished the book of Philippians, and I wasn't here uh, uh, for the last part that Jackie taught on in Philippians 4, but 
Philippians, did you know, uh, Jackie might have mentioned this, but Philippians is the epistle of joy. It's the epistle of joy. It tells us to be joyful over 17 times in just those four chapters alone. God wants us to be happy. In Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, take pleasure in him. Again, I will say rejoice. And again, that word rejoice means to be calmly happy. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And we're familiar with anxiety. This world is full of it. But that simply is directing us and telling us to get back in relationship with him and find that place of joy, that completeness of joy. Godly happiness. I found this uh, quote in one of, the, one of the sources I was studying, is finding satisfaction in something greater than personal pleasures. It's putting into practice Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. How are we doing on that? All things, you've quoted it many times You in situations. Uh, all things do work together for good. Right in the middle of the worst situation. All things, getting there is the problem. We understand it. We can quote it. And I'm going to hopefully give us some ideas from Scripture this morning on how we can uh, actually learn how to fight the fight of faith from that point when we're a two to get up to a ten where God wants us to be. He gives us lots of instructions in Scripture how to do that, how to fight the good fight. Joy is a deep-down confidence that all is well regardless of circumstances. That's the tough part, the circumstance. All is well, regardless of the circumstance. And as Jackie said a number of times, in Philippians, it's all about doing what? Changing our thinking. Changing our thinking. That's what we're talking about. You know, it's, it's interesting that Jesus also said, even though he wants us to have his completeness of joy, but he also promised there's going to be tribulation. Uh, in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Now, let me, let me start off with, a, with a, not a disclaimer, but a, uh, some input here. If this is a normal cross-section of population in America, one out of six of you have, a, have an issue with anxiety, or depression, to the point where you may take something for it. Uh, it's a major deal, uh, and that's okay. I just want to let you know there's no condemnation in Christ. If you're taking something, uh, there are chemical issues that go on in our body that need attention, medical attention, that need supplement, and that's okay. You can be a child of God and still need to get a doctor's help. That's okay. God heals, he does miracles, but he created doctors too in medicine. And I'm not, I'm not talking 
Uh, I'm not saying that you should not do that. Uh, What I am saying is that you can be a child of God, full of faith, and still have to take something uh, for it. So I just want to insert that to make sure no one is feeling any condemnation or put down for for having a clinical depression or being, uh, I have a number, two of my sisters take take something. I probably should. I'm in the category where I, I think I, my, my mother gave me a gene for worry. And um, I, I know that there are people out there that, that take something or thought about taking something to help balance things out, the serotonin levels in our body to, uh, to help us enjoy life. And that's okay. So an acronym, the, the practical application that we can apply here, you probably have heard of it. It's uh, the acronym JOY, Jesus, Others, and Yourself. And I want to break that down and, and give us some ideas of how we can apply that to our life. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, the best source, was Jesus ever depressed? Was he unhappy? He was, and he showed us how he handled it. Not in great detail, but here's a scripture where he shows that state of sorrow. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How did Jesus deal with it? He looked beyond it. He had a circumstance. The circumstance was Calvary. He knew it was coming. He was fully man. He was fully God. And he changed his thinking. He looked beyond it. He looked beyond Calvary, and he saw his father. In Matthew, uh, chapter 26, verses 37 through 39, uh, there's six different ways in these scriptures where Jesus shows us what we can do when we're in that state of, of discouragement or anxiety or depression or sorrow. Look at, look, at what, look at what he did here. This is before Gethsemane. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father... If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. There are six different things. And again, in another article uh, from uh, Desiring God or Solid Joys that I read, uh, these ideas came from him. There are six things here that Jesus did that we can do during those times when we're wrestling, when we're struggling. The first thing he did, notice, is what? He grabbed a couple, three close friends. We need each other. We need friends. If you're one of those people that think you can go it alone, 
good luck because Jesus needed three close friends. He took Peter, James, and John, and what did he do with them? He opened up to them. He talked with them. He was totally transparent. And I'm sure they had a, had a, a discussion. It wasn't just a couple of lines. I'm sure he shared his heart with them, his human heart. Then the third thing he did, he asked them to pray for, pray with him. He asked them to intercede. The importance, Jesus asked them to pray for him. The Son of God asked them, Peter, James, and John, to pray with him. And then fourthly, he cried out to his father. He cried out to God. Fifth, he rested. Knowing God's sovereignty, he rested in it, and he trusted. That's the tough part. Finding that place, even knowing the sovereignty of God, but finding that place of rest and peace and joy. And then sixth, he changed his thinking. He shifted his eyes from the circumstance in Hebrews 12.2 that we read previously for the joy that was set before him. He looked at the future joy that he knew was going to be there, same way that we do. We know things are going to work out eventually. Okay, the O part of the joy, others acronym, is others. And there's a number of, of things that, that uh, we can do for others that will increase our, our state of mind, our joy. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are already doing. You know, giving an encouraging word uh, or just an encouraging presence doesn't even have to be a word so much, so often. But encouraging one another is huge. It makes you feel good. It, it just makes you feel better off if you can speak life into someone else. In Acts 20, 35, it says, In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And again, that word blessed means happy. It makes us happy when we give to others. If you're sad, go help somebody. Give of yourself. Back to Philippians again, 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Implies the same thing. Give to someone else. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That goes for encouraging words. If you want a friend, be friendly. If you want to have friends in time of need, help other people in their time of need. I guarantee that investment will pay off. Not only with good feelings of, of, of joy, but with relationships. In Matthew 5, 7, 
uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He says in the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are they that. All of those words blessed, including verse 7, mean happy. Happy are the kind and merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. I know some of you are going to go home if you haven't already checked and Googled it, but, but that word blessed does mean happy in the Greek. Matthew 25, 23, the parable of the talents. Remember, there were three guys who gave five talents to one and then two and then one. The first two went out and doubled the investment. But the last one kept it to himself to save it, to preserve it and protect it. But look what he says. His master replied in verse 23, Well done, good and faithful servant. Talking to the, one, the ones uh, that doubled the investment. I will put you, uh, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Lastly, yourself. Not the end of the sermon, but of the acronym, just FYI. Don't, don't start, nobody ran out and get a donut yet. Uh, yourself. Several things here, four things that, that I came up with. There's probably a lot more uh, that we can do to find that place of enjoying God and happiness. First of all, probably my biggest problem, and thus uh, that's why I'm giving this message. It's primarily to me. Uh, we need to stop listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. This idea of self-talk, anybody else have a problem with that? Before you know it, you've worked yourself into a frenzy over something and you're, you're, you're uh, having this battle between your ears. Uh, we need to talk to ourselves instead of listen. Maybe it's called positive confession. I don't know. That's another, another discussion for another time. But there's something to speaking the word, speaking God's promises. And not listening to, you know, we do have several voices within us. We have ourself, the flesh, and we have, what else? Holy Spirit. And who else is always talking to us? The devil always gets those jabs, usually about between, for me, 2 and 3 in the morning. You know, he wakes me up, or I'm already awake, my first or second time to the bathroom. Uh <laughs> To uh, and, and during those times is when these thoughts come in, totally ambushes me, and I have to deal with it. And so this is the time to practice uh, speaking to yourself instead of listening. Notice in Psalm 42, it says, I'm not the only one that happened to in Scripture. There's a number of examples. I just pulled out three. In Psalm 42, the author said, Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. That's himself talking to himself. Now, now he's turning the table here, and what does he say? Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. He speaks to himself. He turns it, turns the conversation. I love Lamentations, the, uh, the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. In Lamentations 3, you're familiar with verses 1 through 20. 
It's 20 verses of whining and complaining of discouragement and despair. And despair. And then in verse 21, Jeremiah says this, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I've quoted that many times. But notice there's a word in there, that nasty four-letter word, wait. We've got to deal with that word. In Habakkuk, the prophet says in chapter 3, there's a great song, by the way. I have this um, on my favorite playlist. When I'm in that place, uh, Don Moen has a song called I Will Sing. And I just turn it on, and I, I, I sing that song with him. And there's something about, about singing, as I talked about last time, that can help us change our thinking. It's, I don't know how it works, but I know it works. And there's a great song that is taken from Habakkuk 3 by Don Moen. It's called, I Will Sing. And it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls. And now he's changing his thinking. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes my, me tread on high places. Pretty neat. That, re, that word rejoice really gets sort of charismatic here, sort of Pentecostal even. You know what it means? To jump for joy. To spin around under the influence of any violent emotion. Crazy Christians. Maybe we need to work on that, Tyler. <laughs> I've been in services where that happened. It's, it's different. But the joy of the Lord will do that. Secondly, we need to eat the word. Jeremiah 15, the word. You know, we're so blessed here to have a church that emphasizes the word. It's the final authority. We don't have to, we can argue about some of the interpretations, but the word is preached here often, every Sunday. And that's, uh, that's exactly what Jeremiah is telling us in, in uh, chapter 15, verse 16. It says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Eat the word, study to show yourself approved. Consume it. Uh, I don't know, when I don't, get, when I don't have time for the word in the morning uh, because of grandkids or water in the basement or whatever <laughs> might come up, uh, my, I'm just not right. I need a spiritual adjustment. The word is where it's at. 
That's our source of joy physically and something we can hold on to. So we eat it, but we also have to listen to it. In Romans 10.17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We have to listen to it. Listen to at the gym. I take my uh, <clears throat> my uh, uh, my my phone and bless my second son. He got me these uh, deals that block everything out, and I can plug it in and I can listen to podcasts. Listen to the word. Tremendously encouraging. Can change your state. Uh, so listening to it is important. Uh, Remember last week, Glenda Bostock, she had a little phrase that said, does anybody need a miracle here? Some of you might have responded yes. And what did she say to do? Sing. Sing the word. Nothing better than singing scripture. Singing the promises of God. So listen to the word. Eat the word. And then thirdly, we need to testify the word. Testify of his goodness. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 8 says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Proclaimed the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Miracles will make you happy. Nothing like hearing a testimony. Justin, I don't know if we'll have time for you this morning, but Justin shared with me this week uh, a testimony of what happened to him. And, and uh, for sure, if we don't get to it this morning, we will at the men's breakfast at the end of the month. Uh, Jeff, who's not here this morning, shared his testimony a few weeks back about God speaking to him and having an encounter to forgive his father one more time. Didn't that encourage you? A lot of people stood up. A lot of guys stood up, and we prayed. Testimonies are powerful. They can change our state. They encourage us to proclaim the promises of God. In Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they have conquered him, that's the enemy, that voice that we hear in the middle of the night, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, And by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Testify. We need also the fourth thing that we can do for us is to celebrate. I, some people just do it all the time. Naturally, Uh, I'm one of those people that I celebrate by working. I like to work uh, or doing something. Um, so I had to read this book by John Ortberg. I recommend it. Uh, it's called, um, what's it called? Uh, Living the Life You've Always Wanted. That was another senior moment. You know, bathroom trips, memory loss, <clears throat> those things. They get worse, too. Some of my older friends at the men's breakfast are always write, have a pad, and they write everything down, and now I understand why. So they can remember what they were going to say. Uh, But uh, celebrate. Jesus said, this is the day that the Lord has made in Psalm 118. 
Let us rejoice. Let us be happy today. Let us enjoy every day as he expects and wants us to. Some things that we can do that are very practical. Uh, one of them is, it's not eating, by the way, although that's the way I celebrate, uh, is exercise. Actually, exercise releases endorphins in our body that make us feel better. It's a fact. Uh, releases uh, uh, these chemicals in our bloodstream, which give us a feeling of happiness, of, of joy, really. And that's a good thing, along with laughter. Laughter is a good thing. Uh, you got to laugh and not take yourself too serious. Uh, laughter is a wonderful medicine, and it's a good thing. And uh, that's something else that we can do as well. You know, the one, the one thing about all these different things I mentioned with, within this acronym of Jesus, Others, and Yourself is there are things that we can do, but we have to also understand that we cannot manufacture his joy. There's, we're not human doers. We're human beings. We have to be found in him. We are complete in him. And so we have to, yeah, we have to do some things. We have to work out our own salvation. But we have to also understand that we can't manufacture it. We can't just fake it. We can't deny it. Uh, if we're in one particular place, uh, we have to deal with it. And there's cer- certainly things that, that we have to do, but, but we have to always put first and foremost that it's in his presence that there's fullness of joy. Psalm 16, Psalm 1611. It's in his presence. That's the only way to find that completeness of joy. So we're talking about all these different things uh, to get us into his presence. Uh, unfortunately, there's an awful lot of people in this world today that are uh, the, they're hopeless, they're discouraged, they're depressed, they're anxious. Um, and we have an opioid crisis in this country. So they turn to, they turn to pills. So they turn to all different kinds of substances to find, to get away from themselves, to get away from that waiting period that I talked about that we read in Lamentations um, and Habakkuk. We have to learn to deal with that. That's probably one of the most critical things as a, as a believer that we have to learn how to deal with. The distractions of pain, for example. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have chronic pain? You know, pain brings us down to a, our lowest common denominator. The real me comes out when I'm hurting the most, and it ain't pretty. And yet Jesus said that right in the middle of that, we're going to be overcomers. We have to learn to deal with it. And you can fill in your own, maybe it's not chronic pain, maybe it's a relationship issue, a financial thing. Uh, there's so many distractions in life. And so Jesus has provided an answer. And obviously, yeah, the general answer is it's in his presence. And so our, our mission is to find it. In, in uh, Isaiah 40, 31, you know it well. I said I'm going to come back to this idea of waiting. And it says in Isaiah 40, 31, but they... Who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That word wait in the Old Testament in Hebrew means to bind together by twisting. To me, that speaks of relationship. That means do whatever you have to do to get back into the presence of God, whether it's turning on your favorite song like I do or reading your favorite scripture. I have a notebook of scripture promises arranged by topic for every emotion you can imagine, fear, loneliness, uh, and it has just a whole page. And again, reading those scriptures, speaking to myself, the word of God, the promises of God, is therapeutic and life-changing, condition-changing. There is a song, I think we have Tom doing great. I got another 20 minutes. We'll be out of here early. I want to play, play for you a song that, you know, hymns, Jerry's not here today either. Doggone it, I did it for Jerry. Jerry Zen loves hymns, and uh, we try to play one, do one a week, uh, but hymns are great because they, they're scripture. And there's a, actually a, a pair, a couple, Kristen and Keith Getty. Some of you might be familiar with them. They are modern-day hymn writers. And they wrote a hymn from Psalm 130. And it's a great, it's a great hymn, and I want to read it to you first before you listen. To, I'm just going to have you take five minutes, four and a half minutes, and just uh, wait on God. And let the Holy Spirit minister to us as you... It's a new song, and I know it won't be as meaningful to you as it is to me, because I've listened to it a whole bunch. But, but it's taken from Scripture. And listen to what it says. It's taken from Psalm 130. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities... O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Be ministered to by, by uh, this hymn.
If you like uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, text me. Numbers in the bulletin, and we'll uh, incorporate some of their songs. I I love their music personally, but I know everybody has different. But the words are right out of Scripture, and it's just comforting to know that first of all, God gives us the hope and the future beyond the circumstance, and. The bad part is we have to wait. We have to wait for it. In Psalm 96, I think we can use that as 
our, our great hope. It says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. And here's the phrase that we put our trust in. For he comes. He's coming back. And that's what we have to look forward to. We are, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of this world. We are promised a place in eternity with him. Just like when Jesus was facing the cross at Gethsemane, he looked beyond it to sit on the right hand of his Father. We can do that in our circumstance. We are all going to be healed. We don't know how that's going to play out this side of heaven, but we know beyond the circumstance that it's going to be okay. It will be well with our soul. So I know there's all kinds of people with all different kinds of circumstances this morning, and and we can do this, I don't know, a couple of different ways uh, with our prayer. We always have prayer at the end of every service for those people um, that have special needs. But I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but there might be a lot of people this morning uh, that would really be encouraged by, by prayer. And so I'll take a chance and I will... Say, instead of having you come forward, um, let's just, uh, for anybody that would like this prayer from Romans 15, 13, you can put that last one up there, Carol. This is, this is our prayer, that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, that there would be joy in the middle of your circumstance. So if you are in, if you want to just turn the lights down for a minute and and uh, if you would like prayer, I would like us to do some body ministry and whoever stands up close to you, just lay hands on them and just, let's just pray. Let's take a minute and I will I will lead, if you have a, a specific, if this touched your heart, if you have a circumstance that you're wrestling with, if you're wrestling with a, a, a pain thing or a money thing or whatever it is, would you stand? I know there's more than this. No pressure. It's okay. God knows our circumstance. He knows our heart. And he wants to give us joy. Just take a minute. Get out of your seat. Lay hands on whoever's close to you that's standing. And I'm just going to give you a minute to pray. And you pray for that person.
Lord, may the God of hope fill each one of these people that stand. Lord, I pray for just a a joy unspeakable and full of glory to rest upon them, that they could find that place in your presence of peace and rest and joy. Lord, I just thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that changes us into new creations. Lord, I pray for each one of us here that we could that we could go out this morning and radiate that completeness of joy that you've promised us. I thank you for your word, Lord. I just thank you for the hope for our future, for your promise of soon return. Lord, and just help us to be your happy children. In Jesus' name, amen.